final uh, verse of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 has six verses, and this is the final one. And uh, we've been talking about the idea of God as our shepherd. And then last week, we talked about God as our provider. And we talked about the idea that while we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, while we're walking, God is preparing And so we were talking about, you know, you might be in a place in your life where you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but just know that your heavenly father knows that. And that this, even during this dark time, he can be preparing a table before you. And so that's what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to end with this final verse that says this, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, you've, you've probably heard this verse before. And uh, uh, maybe you've had some images of what that looks like. To have goodness and uh, love following you. Right? Because when I read it, and when I have read it in the past, I think that wherever I go, God's goodness and his love are going to follow me. So I, I could just kind of be wandering around, and whenever I need it, it, it it's going to be there. And so this is the way I've kind of seen goodness and love from the 23rd Psalm. And when I, when I talk about the 23rd Psalm, if I'm doing a funeral, because normally we'll, 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 we'll go through this because it's very comforting. Um, I, it, it's, a, it's a psalm of comfort. I, I think of goodness and love like this. This is goodness. It's just, and, and when you walk around your house, goodness is just right there. Just following you everywhere. You sit down, you get a bowl of chips, and you turn on football. I mean, I've heard people do that. Um, and goodness jumps up on the, trying to get up on the couch, and you're like, oh, goodness, it's so good to see you. And you put it up, and goodness snuggles up and follows you. All the days of your life, little goodness. And if that's goodness, then this is love. And love, I know, love is just cuddly and soft and it feels so good. And you could just take love and you hug it, not too hard because it's very gentle. Love is going to follow you. Goodness and love, the two puppies of God. And they sniff, and they're God's puppies, so they, they go their business in the right places, too. And they just follow you all the days of your life. You turn around and, come here, goodness, come here, love. And they come and they love you. I uh, had a dog um, when my wife and I first got married. We didn't have kids, and um, so we were in the house, just the two of us, and so we started getting restless, and so we decided to start a family uh, with an Australian shepherd, and I wanted an Australian shepherd because they're super, super smart, and so I had this vision of this Australian shepherd, one blue eye, a bandana around its neck. I'd be driving a Jeep, which I didn't own at the time, but I'd, I'd get one, and, uh, and me and my my Australian shepherd, let's call him Thunder or some masculine name. We'd drive down in the Jeep and I'd park somewhere, maybe at a Starbucks, who knows. And, and the dog would just sit there waiting for me because this dog is so obedient and they're so smart. And so we go into the Inland Empire to this breeder and we get this Australian shepherd puppy and it's, it's going great. 
And then uh, we realized that we had to train the puppy. But I was excited about that because it's an Australian shepherd puppy, and so they're really, really smart. Most of them. And uh, <laughs> so, so I take it to dog obedience school, and, and, and we're doing it, and everything's learning. We, we started doing this one thing where I'd put the dog down, and I have a real long leash, and I'd back up, back up, and I'd make it stay there until... I said, come, and then it would come. And so we got farther and farther and farther away. Then I started taking the leash off and doing this. And about two months into dog obedience training, the dog realized, and I realized, that the dog was actually smarter than me. (laughs) And so one day, I was about half a block away, having the dog sit and stay, and then I said, come, and the dog came barreling down, and I'm like, man, he's not going to stop in time, and he actually didn't stop at all. He just ran right past me, (laughs) and for a year and whatever long we had that dog, a few weeks, um, this was the dog's game. The dog had one job, and that was to get out, get out of the house, and then the second job was to evade me. To just stay out as long as he possibly could. And so my idea, I didn't even buy a Jeep. My idea of trying to have this dog. Because Australian shepherds need two things. They need to be able to run constantly. That dog never got tired. I would chase it around the neighborhood. I would do everything. I I tried everything you can do. I went back inside and said, fine. See if you can get hit by a car. See what happens. I don't care. Whatever. This dog still wouldn't come back. Finally, I'd finally find him and we'd, I'd drag him back and all this kind of stuff. When God says, surely goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. That word follow is used 140 times in the Old Testament. This is one of the only times out of two, it's follow. It's almost always translated pursue persecute, run after. So instead of goodness and love being these things, goodness and love is like an Australian shepherd. Here's goodness, and you're the sheep, by the way, and here's love. That is the idea behind this verse, that surely goodness and love are going to bite at your ankles. They're going to bother you. They're going to herd you. They're going to corral you. As you start to wander off, goodness, God's goodness and his love are going to come right. No, 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 no. Not here. Don't go this way. This is not the way you're supposed to go. Goodness and love are Australian shepherds that follow you all the days of your life. That's what the verse means. So what I wanted to do this morning is first give you this one point. God pursues those he loves. You've probably had a relationship where you were the pursuer. Um, I know I I have. I've been that. And uh, fortunately, it worked. Okay, good. (laughs) 28 years ago. Oh, and actually 34 years ago, we started dating. And then we dated for six years and then got married. Um, But you pursue those things you love. If you've ever, even if it's like not even real love, if it's just something you like, like you're trying to get a new thing, you're online all the time, researching, doing all this stuff. You're you're pursuing this thing. It has your heart. God pursues those he loves. And some of you might be here or online and and you just wish God would leave you alone. You're just trying to enjoy yourself. 
Can I just get through my 20s? I mean, come on. Can I just, you know, go, I'm just, it's just, I just for a little bit, I'll be fine. I can control it, all this. And that, that relentless goodness and love of God keeps just nipping at you, following you. You'll hear it in a sermon. Even this sermon right now, there, I'm sure just statistically, there's a few of you going, here he goes. God is, why does he keep bringing this up? Because God pursues those he loves. And guess what? God loves you. He wants his relationship to, with you to be as healthy as it possibly can. And so as you're starting to leave the pack, as you're starting to, to go another way, as you're starting to just wander off, that's why we sang the song, prone to wander. We're all prone to wander. God's goodness and his love comes after he sicks them on you, whistles, and off they go. If by chance, goodness and love catches you as a sheep, uh, hopefully it won't go for you like my dog Atticus uh, with this sheep, that's, uh, that was a little sheep toy we got, and uh, he pulled all of its brains out. So uh, <laughs> that's not the example, but uh, I just couldn't help but put a picture of my dog in there. Hey, little baby, what's going on? Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, I'm going to tell you a story that's in the Bible that's very famous, but it talks a lot about this idea of God's goodness and love. As the, uh, C.S. Lewis, um, when he was an atheist, he was going to disprove, you know, he wanted to prove that there was no God. And every time he came up with an argument, there was something in his mind going, no, no, no. And, 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 and C.S. Lewis called uh, God the hound of heaven constantly messing up his arguments and constantly showing him different things and constantly having him have things that get in the way of his atheism. The hound of heaven. So there's a guy named Jonah. And um, if you were, have ever been in Sunday school for any length of time, uh, five weeks, they probably have talked about the story of Jonah. Uh, if you've seen VeggieTales, you know the story of Jonah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's out there. And, you know, the short, the short story is uh, Jonah gets asked by God to go somewhere. He goes someplace else. And then he gets eaten by a whale, okay? And he's in the belly of the whale for three days. Uh, by the way, the Bible never says whale, okay? So at least if you're going to raise your kids with the Bible, do it correctly. Okay. So Jonah hears from God. Now think about how crazy this is. That Jonah actually hears the voice of God. That God actually told Jonah to do something. Do you ever wish that you just hear the voice of God? That you just kind of go, man, I just wish he'd just talk to me and tell me. I believe we all have heard the voice of God at different times in our life. And I think a lot of times we act like Jonah. So the Lord comes to Jonah and says, there are these Ninevites. Uh, Ninevites, uh, Nineveh was a city, and it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire at the time that we're reading about Jonah. And these were bad dudes. Ninevites were bad people. They would, they would just go into villages and steal everything, and they'd kill people, and they were just not a great thing. And if you were an Israelite, uh, you would not like the Ninevites. You would not. It would be like, they would be like, like Republicans or Democrats or something. I mean, it's just horrible, horrible individuals, okay, uh, depending on which side you're on. 
And so, so they, just, they just hated him. And so God tells uh, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent of their sin. And so here's what Jonah did. But Jonah ran away from the Lord <laughs> and headed for Tarshish. Now, if you've read the Bible for any length of time, uh, you'll come to realize very quickly that it's impossible to run away from the Lord, right? The Bible says that you, you, there's no place you can hide from him. If you go to the depths of the ocean, he's there. If you go to the, high, I mean, the highest mountain, he's there. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you go. So you can't really run away from the Lord. All you can do is run away from obedience. And so that's what he does. And he gets on this, uh, this ship uh, to, to escape. So here's what was going to happen. He needed to, if you're thinking about it in, in Garden Grove terms, he needed to travel to about Salt Lake City, Utah. That's, that's where Nineveh was. It was north and over to the right, and so that's where he needed to go. Um, but he, it, it would be like him getting, going to San Pedro and getting on a boat to Honolulu, okay? So, so that's kind of the difference. He, he ends up, Tarshish was, was in Spain. So he leaves Israel, and he's, and he's going through the Mediterranean Sea to Spain. That's where he wants to go. And watch what happens. So he's disobeying God. And God whistles to his two Australian shepherd dogs, goodness and love, and he goes after Jonah. Here's what he does. They're on the ship, and the Lord sent goodness, a great wind, on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And so what happens is, this, they're panicking because this, it got so violent that they thought the ship was going to break up. And so they're trying to figure out, and, and what, why is this happening? And Jonah was asleep in the, in the bottom of the ship. And the captain comes to him and says, there's this great storm. How, how are you sleeping? And he goes, yeah, I, I, uh, I, think, I think I know something about that. I might, I might, I might have some, an inside scoop on that. But he doesn't tell them it's him. They draw straws, essentially. There's another way the Lord somehow did it. And he got the short end of the stick and he admitted it. And, and he says, just throw me overboard. That would be the, the best thing to do. And it's weird because these people who weren't even Hebrews were like, no, we can't do that. Your God is going to punish us if we do that. And so they, uh, they, they, they beg him. They, they beg him, look, just you know, figure it out between you and your God, and they can't, and so they're like, well, we got to throw them overboard. I mean, that's just what we have to do, and here's what they pray. It's incredible, and then they cry out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you please. God had sent goodness and love after Jonah, and so they throw him overboard, and everything becomes calm. Thank Again, I tend to read the Bible uh, like it's true. And so I always, in my mind, try to, try to like, think of how the story goes. Because let's say you're, we're on the ship, and it's, it's going crazy, the winds and everything. And then you throw me overboard, and then everything becomes calm. Like, wouldn't that be awkward? Like, I'm treading water, it's all calm now, and you guys are like, hey, it worked. <laughs> this is amazing. Hey, so you want some food or something? Because we got to go. Like, you know, you know I, I wonder what happened. They threw him a life preserver or something. Well, here's what happened. Uh, 
in ancient times, uh, people didn't swim very well. And so when they threw him over, by the time the, ca- the sea calmed down, he was sinking down, 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 down into the depth. Now, imagine what Jonah's going through. He's in the water, terrifying. I don't, I don't know if you're as terrified of the ocean as I am, but, and he's sinking, and he's going to die. And he's probably thinking to himself, man, I really blew it this time. I probably should have gone to Nineveh. I probably should have listened to the Lord. And some of you right now are in a place like that. You feel like you've, you've probably made your final mistake, your final thing that you just say, you know what? I deserve, I deserve God's punishment. God, from far away, whistles. And love comes in the form of a giant fish. <laughs> it says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That God provided a way to scoop up Jonah. Now, it wasn't the most, a cruise ship would have been nicer. Okay, you know, it's like a, a party boat or something. But uh, this is what God chose to do to, to provide for Jonah. He provided this, this giant fish. I don't know what kind of fish it was. It could have been a whale. I, I have no idea. I don't want to be in the belly of anything for three days. So I guess it really doesn't matter. So there he is. Now watch what he says. So Jonah's in the belly of the whale for the three days, and he, he starts praying this prayer. And uh, the way the prayer is uh, kind of arranged um, it, if, you're, if you read the Bible much, you'll see that it's a prayer of thanksgiving. It's a poem that he begins to say. And here's, here's what he says. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. God did not have to provide for Jonah, but he did. Because his goodness and his love are like Australian shepherds that want you back. They want you back. They want you back. They want you back into obedience. And so God provides this fish because God wants Jonah back. God could have destroyed Jonah. It would have been perfectly within his right. He, as God, asked Jonah to do something. Jonah ran away from from God, and God decided uh, not to kill him, okay? And we'll see, Jonah gets really annoying later, right? And God probably knew that tendency about Jonah, and you'll see, by the time we get done with the story, you'll be like, oh man, I didn't realize Jonah was like the person in the cubicle next to me at work. It's like ridiculous. (laughs) And so, but, but God listened, that even, even when, when he turns and runs away, goodness and mercy, the Australian shepherds of God go after him and say, it's time to come back. I promise you, if you are in that place right now where you have run from God, you've done some things, you're like, there is no possible way he's sending those dogs out for me. I've, I've gone out and come back so many times, I don't even know which, where I belong. I promise you, if you would turn to him, he'll take you back. He will always, always 
always take you back. If you cry out to him, I promise you, he will hear you. He will listen. And he will say, it's time to come home. That's what he does with Jonah. So then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Man. I just, I need some Purell just reading that. <laughs> like, here we go, okay, all over my body. I don't know what that was like. I've tried to imagine it, what it would be like to be vomited onto dry land. That's disgusting. And then here's what happens. The Lord goes right back into it again. Then the word of the Lord come, came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. It's like, like nothing happened. Like he didn't say, and, and another thing, if you turn and you take a boat, this time I'm not bringing a fish. Or maybe I'll bring a smaller fish, okay? <laughs> right? See how you like that, okay? And so there wasn't any of that. He's like, okay, you're back. Now, where were we? Uh, oh yeah, Nineveh, go. Right? And this is the way the Lord is. When we, when we come back to him, it says, the Bible says he keeps no account of your wrongdoing. When you're back, you're back. You're back in the family. There's a wonderful parable. You should read it. Uh, uh, we call it the prodigal son, but really it's called the love, it should be called the loving father. It's about the son that leaves and, and he wastes all his inheritance and he just acts like a fool and all, all this kind of stuff. And when he comes back, the father has a party. <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, it's back. Now, there might be still some consequences to whatever ha happened while you were gone, but when you're back, you're back. He says, you're forgiven. And he goes, so now go, go do the Nineveh thing we were talking about. And here's what happens. He goes and, he, and he, he preaches this message. And look what it says. The Ninevites believed God. Now here's where it gets really kind of brainy, brainiac-y. God was pursuing Jonah because he already had the hounds of heaven pursuing the Ninevites, who were doing way worse things than what Jonah was doing. All Jonah did was get on a boat and say, I'm not going to talk to them. And if it was you or I, we, and, and we had the history with the Ninevites, we'd be saying the same thing. Like, imagine if I just said to you right now, you got to go share the gospel with some Raider fans, okay? <laughs> imagine... How? Yeah, I know. Some of you Raider fans are like, oh, we'll see, we'll see how it goes right now. <laughs> what do you get to your car? I'll show you what, what it's going to be like. No, the, the Raiders are fantastic. I'm just, um, I had to pick some football team, and I couldn't pick Tom Brady. So, uh. <clears throat> Anywho, uh, so they believe, they believe God. God was pursuing the Ninevites. Isn't that amazing? And so God had to pursue Jonah so that Jonah could speak the message so that the Ninevites could be saved. Do you realize that as God pursues you and you become, get into a right relationship with him and you begin to walk in obedience, you might have an impact on the kingdom that you would never, ever believe you could have had if you were wandering away. And you think, man, I can't, I can't even talk very well. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to share my faith. I get nervous, all this kind of stuff. You have no clue how much God can use you. No clue. Every person here who is a follower of Jesus is here because of somebody else. You didn't just wake up one morning and go, oh, you know what? I think I believe that somebody died on the cross for my sin. <laughs> you know, somebody told you. Somebody had an impact on you. 
And we're called to do the same. And so the Ninevites believe. And a fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And so they're talking about all these things. They even put on the animals, on their animals, they put ash on the animals to have them mourning. Like, Like the animals need to ask for forgiveness. You know, what animal needs to ask for forgiveness? A cat. Yeah, that's it. It's cats. So, here's what their king says. Let everyone call urgently on the Lord, on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And here's what he says. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. They began to trust in this God that might be compassionate, a God that might release the Australian shepherds of goodness and love, that found them, that they, they, they were grateful to hear the message. They were grateful. that They, they responded with sackcloth, sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth is just a, it's just a thing you'd wear that made of goat's hair. And it's, just a, it's like an outfit of mourning. You know, like if you're... You know, it's just like, hey, it's time to mourn. What should I wear? I need to mourn. <laughs> you go into your closet. Oh, yeah, my sackcloth thing. That's what, that's what they would do. It was just this outward expression of mourning their sin. And so they do that. And so they, the, the, the king of Nineveh is like, man, God, God might relent. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened, and quite frankly, the destruction they had deserved. If you read about the Assyrian Empire and uh, how ruthless uh, they were, they deserved punishment. So they're saved. (laughs) That Jonah, by being obedient, was able to have this whole town, and we'll see at the end how many people were in there, turn to God. This is an incredible story of salvation to an entire community of people that probably had ramifications that went on for who knows how long. <laughs> but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. Do you have anybody in your life? Be, just be honest. You don't raise your hand or tell me the story. Where... If you found out something bad happened to him, it would kind of make you happy. Okay? And, and before you say you don't, <clears throat> I would like you to think back over the last two weeks in the news when both sides, uh, everybody's getting caught doing all sorts of stuff. And I'll listen to somebody on one side defend their guy, because it's all men, uh, and then I hear the other one defend their guy, and, and it's like, but, but they're happy that the other guy finally got caught, right? Okay, I do this all the time. I do it all the time, depending on who my group is. So I'm not making fun of anybody. What I'm saying is, this is natural for humans, and watch yourself this week. You'll be sitting there, and you'll hear a story, and you're like, oh, Oh, tell me that story again. I loved it. That was fantastic. And what happened? Oh, wow. Really? He has no... Okay, great. Good. That's, he'll never get out of prison. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Right? You'll see it. It comes up. Well, this, this was Jonah. He was very upset. Now, now, here's the thing that's mind-boggling to me. 
How do we receive the goodness of, and love of God freely? Jonah was pleading for it in the belly of the whale. Please save me from this death. And God says, I will. And then he turns right back around and goes, but not, not for them. It's good for me, but not for them. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are the hope of the world to share the good news of the gospel. And it's almost impossible if we're harboring bitterness and resentment in our hearts. We're doing the exact thing Jonah did. Watch what he does. Watch how he prays to the Lord. This is fantastic. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? Didn't I tell you? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Of course he knew that. He'd experienced that himself. But then he goes on and says, but there's some people, there's some people on the planet that don't deserve that. What they've done is too bad. There's some people on the planet that it's okay for me to dislike. I'm here to tell you there is no one on the planet that you are allowed to withhold the shepherds from. Goodness and love. Not one person. I know it feels that way, that it should, and that you can be disappointed with people, and you can go after their sin and say, I don't think you should do that, and that, that's evil, that's absolutely positive. But there is not a single person on the planet that has the goodness and love withheld from them. You're going against God when that happens. And Jonah knew that. And so watch Jonah. He is like one of the whiniest people in the Bible. Now, Lord, take, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Okay? Call that passive aggressive, aggression, and uh, it's like a little kid, you know? This is the guy who was praying in the water, save me, and God saves him. And now, when God does what God's going to do, he says, take, take away my life. Oh, man, this, is, this question is so good from God. Because by this time, if I were God, I'd be like, boink, I see you later. <laughs> I'd just be done, okay? Like, oh, man. I'd rather die. And here's what the Lord says. And this is a great question as you're reading the news and just kind of getting wrapped up in everything that's going on in the world. Is it right for you to be angry? That's the question God has for all of us. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right to harbor this resentment? And, and, and like you, I'm exactly like you, I would come back with, well, if you heard my story, you're just saying that because you don't know my story. If you knew my story, then you'd say, yes, of course, it is right for me to be angry because this is what they did to me. And once you hear how bad it is, <laughs> you'll know. I guarantee you, whatever the person did to you or to me is not as bad as the Ninevites. I mean, it might get close, yes, maybe, I don't know. But even if it was that bad, 
God extended his goodness and his love to them. So is it right for you to get angry? And this week, maybe you, maybe, you, maybe you put that on your fridge. Maybe you put it on top of your television or your computer. Is it, is it right for you to be angry? So here's what Jonah did. He goes out and he sat down at a place east of the city and he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Hmm. He sat in his little, made like a little fort. You ever do that when you're a little kid out of pillows or whatever? He made his little pillow fort and he sits in there and he, mm, I'm going to see what happens. Have you ever been in a shelter of bitterness that you've made yourself? Just watching and waiting to see what's going to happen. Even when you were building the, the shelter of bitterness, you're, you're, you know, you're going, oh, I don't even know why that guy would ever say that because I think that. And you've got your whole shelter of bitterness and then you sit in it all week long and you wait and you watch and you go, I can't wait to see what's going to happen when they get theirs. This is where Jonah is. It's a horrible place to be. Horrible. But even in your shelter of bitterness, guess who's going to be nipping at your heels? God. With the Australian shepherds of goodness and love going, hey, get, get out of that stupid shelter. You didn't even build it right anyway. And you gotta, <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to die there? Hey, come on. Go home. You got 713 miles to go. You don't sit over here. Go home. So God sends his goodness and love to Jonah again. And he provides this leafy plant. He makes it grow. And it grew over Jonah to give shade to his head and ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about that plant. He loved that plant. Made him feel good. Now he's in his shelter of bitterness that he made. And now he's got a leafy green plant. And he's, he's going, yeah, this is just fantastic. But God's not going to let him stay there. At dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant. Hmm, sorry, Jonah. So that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided love. And it's not a cute little puppy this time. It's a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head, and it grew faint, and he wanted to die again, okay? It's a common theme with Jonah. It would be better for me to die than to live. God asked Jonah this question again, as he often does with us. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry at our plant? It is, he said, Jonah said. It is is right for me to be angry about the plant. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Tres tiempos, okay? That's three times he says this, like a little spoiled brat. So look at this next verse. It's incredible. So the Lord put Jonah to death because of his incessant complaining and carrying on. And all the land rejoiced as Jonah's body was carried around the desert by wolves. Just before he died, he realized he was stupid, but it was too late. Is that? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the book of PJ. That's how I want Jonah to end. Okay? It took me a little while with a thesaurus and a concordance, and I had to move some verses around, but 
It's all in the Bible. It's just not in that order, okay? <clears throat> Had to do some stuff. That's why they send you to seminary. Get it to say what you want it to say. That's the important thing. Okay. That's how I want it to end for Jonah. I'm tired of him whining. He left God. He, you know, he got a miracle that happened that would have changed anyone's life. He gets swallowed by a fish. He lived. He, you owe God. And then, and then he goes and he preaches an evangelistic message and 125,000 people come to Christ and God is like using Jonah, man. And, a, and Jonah just keeps saying, I want to die, I want to die. Well, fine, die. <laughs> and we can be over with it. Nineveh's already saved. We don't need you anymore, right? I mean, it's like, that's how I want to end for Jonah. But I never want it to end like that for me. When I say, oh, I wish I were dead. Oh, I wish they were dead. Oh, I get, why does this, why is there traffic? Why is there so much traffic? This is terrible. My life is horrible. I don't want God to treat me like that when he sends the hounds out of goodness and love. I just want gentle correction. Just, hey, okay, I'll, I'll change. You know, that's what I want. So God doesn't do that. So we'll put that one up in flames. <laughs> <clears throat> like that. I had a little extra time this week. All right. We'll wrap up with this. Check out what, how God says it to Jonah. It's so neat. But God said, you've been so concerned about this plant that you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. Jonah, I'm doing something that's a little, just a tad bigger than you. Okay, you're so concerned about Jonah. You're so concerned about how is it going for you and how are your expectations being met? And, and I've, I've sent the hounds out so many times for you. I, I need you to just start to get a bigger picture than just you. Here's what he says. Should I not have concern for the great city of, of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people? who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And then he, I love God. He just says, and also many animals. <laughs> and trees. I mean, well, I, don't, I don't know. I, I was just, I, that's just so, so cool. Do you know what? Jonah ends with that verse. I don't know what happened to Jonah. I don't know if the people from Nineveh next week started sinning again. I have no idea. But what I do know is the heart of God. That God, even in the midst of Nineveh's wickedness, he sends out the hounds of goodness and love to try to get him back, to try to draw him to repent. That is the heart of God, friends, right there. And he also cares about animals. So that's good to know as well. Even, even cats. Here's how, here's how P Peter, don't send me any emails about that or that I'm a cat hater. I, it's, it's, it's a strong dislike is more of that. <laughs> Look at how Peter writes it as the worship band comes back up. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is your God. That is the heart of Jesus. That God, being rich in love, rich in mercy, 
sent the greatest Australian shepherd ever, Jesus, to get you back into right relationship with him. And at any time, no matter what you've done in your past, no matter where you are now, whatever you, what you might be even into or were planning on doing this afternoon, in the midst of that, it only takes the ability to just turn and go, Lord, save me from my sin. I, I, I got to get back to you. I, I got to get back into right relationship with you. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to listen and he's going to go. Welcome back. Come on. That might be you this morning. You might be in a place where you're just like, I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta come back. I, I promise you his, his goodness and his love are all, were already nipping at your heels, already working, already trying to convince you this way is not the way. It's gonna lead to destruction. Come back this way. And if you'd be willing to humble yourself, you'd be willing to say, yes, Lord, I've been on the wrong path. I've been hiding from you. I've been running from you. But Lord, forgive me for that. It's Jesus' work on the cross that paid that price already. It's already paid. It's just turning your life to, over to him. What, what we're going to do uh, in the next few minutes is Andrea's going to share a song that she wrote this week talking about the love of God. And, um, during this time, we, this is when we fill out our connection cards. And as Cece mentioned um, before, these are so precious to us. Uh, not because we, we get to keep a track of who's here and who's not, and you, you get a star and you don't get a star. When you fill out one of those cards, you help us follow up with people that might be falling through the cracks. And people are, are very, very important to us. And so they'll get a note, they'll get something uh, during the week that just says, are you doing okay? And sometimes they're like, yeah, I was on vacation for three weeks. Fine, fine, no big deal. We just want to follow up with you. If you're new and you turn in a card and it has your information on it, I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen to it. I'm going to write you a note that says, we're really glad you're here. And, and you'll get that note. And that'll be that. And in four weeks, if you're not back, I'll send you a little postcard that says, hey, we miss you. And that, that'll be it. That's the only thing you're risking. Uh, and I might come to your door, but that'll, that, that'll be a different, a whole totally different thing. No. So we really appreciate that. We really appreciate you trusting us with those prayer requests. We pray for every single one of those every single day. The other thing that we do is we use those cards. And if this morning, if you were one of those people who said, hey, you know what? I, I do want to return to Christ. I do want to turn my life around. You can just mark a little X on this box that says I've committed my life to Christ. And I'll just get in contact with you and go, hey, tell me your story. What, how can we get you plugged in? The other thing we do is we take our offering. We don't actually pass a basket around. We just, uh, there's a box in the back. And if you give here and you don't do it electronically, then uh, we take all those connection cards and the, and the um, tithes and offerings and we put them in that box in the back. But the thing that's most important that happens during this time is that you make a connection with your Heavenly Father. And maybe the connection is just this. Man, I remember when I was in the belly of the whale. Oh, it was so frightening. I remember that. I remember my 30s. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for sending out those dogs to get me back. Thank you. Maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's God. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what. I don't know. I'm, I'm torn and I need to hear your voice. It's something as simple as that. 
but try to make a connection with him. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, um, we are so thankful that as an obedient son, you came to earth and uh, as an ultimate sacrifice of goodness and love, uh, did not turn away from what you needed to do. You didn't run the other way. You didn't get on a boat. You didn't um, chicken out at the last minute. But you died for people all over the world worse than the Ninevites. You died for humanity, all of it. And so we thank you for that. Thank you for that um, realization. Lord, we thank you, all of us in here who've uh, made a profession of faith in you. We thank you that, uh, man, once we were lost, once we were, on a sh- we were being shipwrecked, we were far from you, and you sent out the dogs, and you herded us back in. We thank you for that. Lord, may we remain uh, next to you, our good shepherd. In Jesus' name.